Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We want to be a place where you can own your faith and take next steps in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe your next step is to seek out a community and join a movement group. Maybe it's supporting movement financially for the first time or using your gifts on a volunteer team. Whatever God is calling you to do, our prayer is that you will step out in faith and let Him lead you. For more information about your next step, please visit movementcolumbus.com. back from the holidays. I, uh, I like to describe this time of year as the, the holiday haze. Uh, this is the first time that I've worn anything but sweatpants since Christmas Eve, and I'm not apologizing for it. Uh, it, was, it was a good, good time off. Uh, holiday haze is kind of that time where we all uh, pretend we're working, but we're not working. Maybe even that extended through this last week for you, where you wanted your boss to think you were working, but you were kind of just putting in some time and, and figuring it out. Uh, we, we all, we don't sleep enough. We, we eat nothing but a diet of cookies. Uh, and so it's just a terrible time. So it's good to, good to be back. Uh, the, the best way to emerge from the holiday haze is to wear your favorite clothing item that you got for Christmas. So I hope that you're wearing uh, that today. If you, if you didn't get some clothes for Christmas, uh, let me know. And my mother-in-law buys presents for basically everyone I know. So she would love to buy you a sweater if that's something that will bless your life next year, right? So talk to me later. Uh, we'll figure that out. But uh, wanted wanted to let you know, uh, I'm excited. Uh, we begin a new series uh, today. Uh, we're going to be talking uh, about the Holy Spirit. This, this series is titled uh, Listen and Move. And uh, the, the reason that I'm excited uh, for this is because as we're looking at this this next season of, of our, our church uh, next season of, of development, just what God is doing and, and prepping to uh, to move into the building that we're building, uh, we believe that that this is going to be uh, something that's that's core and very important to what God wants from us. Uh, so I want to let you know this: that the the single command that Jesus gave his followers before igniting a movement was, "Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised." And Jesus was telling uh, his disciples and ultimately his followers uh, that that they were going to be given the Holy Spirit. And so we're we're doing this series because we want to grow in our in our knowledge of the Holy Spirit, but we also want to grow. Uh, more importantly, in our awareness of how the Spirit leads us and how He works in our lives and what He calls us to do and asks us to do, uh, God has given us the Holy Spirit so that we can walk in obedience, and we want to be a church uh, that does that, a church that's, that's shaped by that. Now, I, I want to admit there's some topics that pastors talk about, that churches talk about, that I think that people uh, get scared of. Uh, the first one of those is money. Don't worry, nobody's talking about money today, uh, right? And, and another one is, is, is probably sexuality or sex. People are like, oh, why are we talking about this? And I would say a third one uh, is the Holy Spirit, because we all probably have like a great aunt who speaks in a southern draw and re- refers to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Ghost. And then we wonder like, wait, so is it a ghost? Is it a, is it a spirit? What, what's important? And so we want to kind of cut through all that because there are, there are, there are people in evangelical America, uh, who maybe to a fault overemphasize the Holy Spirit. And, and as the, uh, pendulum swings, there are people who, who underemphasize the Holy Spirit. We want to try to find that sweet spot where we just say, here's what scripture tells us. Here's what we need to know, and here's what it looks like to to operate in the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, I want to just give you some quick glimpses uh, out of Scripture. The the first one of those is is at creation, Genesis one twenty six. Uh, as God was in the midst of creation, He said, "Let us make people 
in our own image to be like ourselves. Now, when I talk about myself, I don't speak uh, in plural form, uh, but but God did and, and God does. And so we see that, that he was referring to God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit, all present at creation and all working together in a way that I think we almost have to look back to, to understand. At the baptism of Jesus in Matthew chapter 3, we see that as Jesus was baptized and he came up out of the water, the heavens were opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and, and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son, and I am fully pleased with him. And so again, we see God the Father speaking from heaven. We see Jesus the Son being baptized. And we see the Holy Spirit evidencing itself as a dove. And a, another passage where we see this Holy Spirit, uh, everyone represented here, is, is John 14, the passage we're going to look at today, where Jesus is talking about how he and the Father are one, and yet also uh, alluding to the fact that he's going to send the Holy Spirit for his believers. And so to know God, we have to study God's character. To know the Holy Spirit, we have to study the passages in Scripture that give us glimpses of God's character and glimpses of the Trinity. And so this morning, we want to just begin to to unpack uh, what is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? What should we know about the Holy Spirit? And what does that mean for our lives? And so let's let's dive in. Let's talk about the mysterious, wonderful, powerful, often overlooked, regularly misunderstood Holy Spirit. And so if you've got a Bible, you can open that Bible to John chapter 14. We're going to be in verses 1 to 21. And that is on page uh, 648. So if you're pulling one of the Bibles there that you're, uh, you're, you're sitting or it's under your chair, you can, you can grab that and turn to page 648. And if you don't have a, a copy of God's Word, that is our gift to you. I had a, a little girl come up to me after first service, and she said, can I really take this Bible? And I said, you really can, and no one will, no one will grab you on the way out and tell you it's shoplifting. That is, that is our gift. And so uh, if you don't have a translation that you like to read or you like that one, feel free to, to take that. And let me give you some background quick on uh, John 14. I mentioned that, that uh, Jesus uh, and God are, are one and yet separate persons, and sometimes we don't know that tension. But when Jesus stepped into this world as, as fully man, he understood and came to know the, the stress and the tension and the anxiety and the things that we feel as humans every day. Jesus knew that at the core of every human, we just want to feel security. We want to feel that we're complete and we want to not be troubled. And I, I say that because leading up to this passage, there, there are basically three chapters in a row where Jesus is troubled and, and we can see that. The first time was in uh, chapter 11. His friend Lazarus dies. And you know the, the famous verses that says Jesus wept, the shortest verse in the Bible. Uh, we see in chapter 12, Jesus was beginning to feel the weight, knowing that he had come to, to give his life on the cross. And it, just as he was processing that, he could feel the weight of it. And then in John 13, as uh, giving his life got closer, uh, he began to comment on the fact that his inner circle, his disciples, didn't even really understand what he was doing, and they would betray him as part of that final day's timeline. And so Jesus faced this pressure. He knew what it meant to be troubled. He knew what you and I face. He knows that we're grieved and that we're looking for a solution. In fact, I I read this quote this week, and I wanted to share it. It's from C.S. Lewis. It says this. It says, Human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. So the life of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, God's plan throughout history is a response to the, to the search of, of every person. Jesus spends chapter 14 of John kind of just laying out God's design for his followers 
and God's ongoing solution for security. So let's read this together. John 14 verse 1 says this, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Now, Jesus's words there show that the way to eternal life, even though it's unseen and may not feel secure, is secure when we trust in Jesus. Jesus has already prepared the way to eternal life. The only issue that might still be unsettled in our hearts and in our lives is, is are we going to be there with him? Are we going to join him? And there are a lot of verses in the Bible about eternity, but probably none this clear where Jesus simply says, I'm going to prepare a place for you and I will come and get you. And so you and I can look forward to eternal life because Jesus has promised it to those who believe in him. We might not know every detail. We might not understand every detail, but we can trust that Jesus is preparing a place and we're going to spend eternity with him when we trust in him. In fact, in verse four, he says this, and you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. This is probably one of the most basic, simple, yet important passages in all of Scripture. How can we know the way to security? How can we feel security? How can we trust security? Well, we can know God. How can we know the way to God? Well, only through Jesus. Jesus is the way because he is both God and man. And by uniting our lives to his, you and I are united with God. And when we trust Jesus to take us to the Father, to link us and unite us to the Father, we have all the benefits of being one of God's children. And so is the way, Jesus is our path to the Father. As the truth, he's the reality of all of God's promises. And as the life, he joins his divine life to ours, both now and forever into eternity. Jesus is the way the truth, and the life. And there are people that argue for Jesus to make that claim is crazier, that that claim means that there's only one way and it's too narrow. I think that we have to switch our mindset. When we see that, we shouldn't be saying, oh, Jesus is the only way. How can he do that? How can he make that way so narrow? We should be saying, God, thank you that there is a way. Thank you for making a way for someone like me who sinned against you. Thank you that I have a way to know you and rest in you and trust you and be with you for eternity. God, thank you for your work. Verse seven says this. If you had really known me, you would know who my father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Verse 11 says, just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. We've already covered that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He made that very clear and and said that. And now we see that Jesus is the visible, tangible image of the invisible God. 
Jesus is letting us know that he is the complete revelation of what God is like. And Jesus is explaining this to Philip in this passage, that to know Jesus, to know him, is to know God. The search for God, the search for truth, the search for reality, the, tr- the search for security and all the things we're looking for and trying to find, that entire search in every way ends with Jesus. And so this is going to sound a little too simple, but it needs to be said because this is what matters for this passage and what it matters for us to, to live and follow Jesus. This is our first point today. Jesus is your foundation. Jesus is your foundation. We try to stand on many other things. We try to find truth and belonging in many other things. And Jesus is saying, there is no other thing. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is your foundation. Jesus is our foundation. And I think the question we probably want to ask is, why is that so important? Why does that need said? Why do we need a foundation? Because of the life and mission that we're called to. We're called to walk with Jesus, to know him intimately, to hear from him, to listen to him. And in obedience, to live on mission in his name and impact the world around us. So this is what the foundation himself says. Verse 12, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the son can bring glory to the father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Jesus, the very son of God, tells us as his followers that we can build our our life on his foundation as the way, but then he takes it one step further and says, you won't just do the, the same works that I've done, which would be, amazing if we could do the things that that Jesus did alone. That would make my day. I'd be like, all right, we can go home. Let's go do some Jesus works. But he's saying you will do even greater ones. Now, before you start thinking that you're going to be able to fly and shoot lasers out of your eye, I don't know where your mind goes, but that's where mine goes because of superhero movies. That's just what I think when I'm told that I can do greater things than God. Most scholars believe that what Jesus is saying is that the disciples would do greater as in more multiple works, not not better than, but really, let's be honest, the things that Jesus was doing were pretty amazing. So what's being said is that the disciples, the followers that you and I are going to get to work in the power of the Holy Spirit and carry the good news of the gospel to the whole world. And these greater works would not just be remarkable, but Jesus was saying that there would be a wider work of spirit-led believers. There's a, a quote from a theologian named Frederick Gaudet that says it this way. He says, That which was done by Peter at Pentecost, by Paul all over the world, that which is affected by an ordinary preacher, a single believer, by bringing the Spirit into the heart, could not be done by Jesus during his sojourn in this world. Jesus' personal ministry in the flesh must be a local ministry. Only under the dispensation of the Spirit could be universal. And so this concept is not to in any way speak down to the ministry of Jesus. No, because the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are connected and they have given us a gift that now makes the ministry of the Spirit universal. Every country, every continent, every language, every area, every relationship, everyone has access to the Holy Spirit when they make Jesus their foundation. And so the the, the impact of the Holy Spirit knows no limits under this universal design. Not just that, 
But as every believer around the world is spirit-led, we're, we're told this, that we can ask for things in the name of Jesus, and he says he will do them. Now, when Jesus says to ask for things in his name, he's not just saying, ask for whatever you want. We have to remember that we're asking in his name. And so the things that we ask for should be in line with his character and his will. God's not just some genie that we can rub a lamp and say, hey, I need a new car. Hey, I need a raise. We can't use his name to fulfill everything that we would ever want, every whim. But if we are sincerely following God, if we're walking with him, if we're growing in his spirit to be like him and taking on his character, then our requests will be in line with what he wants. And he says he will accomplish those things in his character. Verse 15 says this, if you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Jesus was soon going to leave his disciples, but he would remain with them. That last line alone kind of boggles my mind. It says, Jesus is going to leave, but he's going to stay. How could someone leave and yet stay? How could someone go away from their followers and yet remain? And God gives a perfect answer to that when he says, I'm going to give you an advocate, the spirit of God himself. So even though you may be apart from Jesus in the flesh, you will have the very nature of God in you. So who would come after Jesus had cared for the world and cared for his followers? What does this look like? Well, the power of the Holy Spirit was breathed on the disciples just before the ascension of Jesus, just before he went back to heaven. And in Acts chapter 2, we see the Holy Spirit being given to all of the believers going forward. The Holy Spirit is the very presence of God within us, helping us live as God wants and building Christ's church on earth. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit is the very presence of God within us, helping us live as God wants and building Christ's church on earth. By faith, we can walk with the Holy Spirit. By faith, we can live in the Holy Spirit. We can do the things that he leads us to do. Verse 17 says the Holy Spirit leads us into truth. Truth in our thoughts, truth in our actions, truth in our hearts, truth in our relationships and in our daily lives. And we're told that the Holy Spirit will be our advocate. As I looked at that word this week, it's, it's kind of one of those words that doesn't directly translate to our language. In the original text, the word advocate would have meant a couple different things. It would have meant comfort, encourager, and counselor. So is the Holy Spirit your comfort, encourager, or counselor? Yes. The Holy Spirit is all of the above. And next week, we're going to talk about a, a plethora of different ways that we can see and experience and, and the ways that we can trust the Holy Spirit is working in our lives and our hearts. But here's what I want to boil all of that down to this week for the sake of our time. We have the power of God working in us, for us, and with us. When Jesus is our foundation, we have the power of God working in us, for us, and with us. Wow. Jesus told his followers, he tells us, yeah, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is our foundation. And if you've given your life to him and your security is found in him, he is your foundation. And from there, he says, I will give you an advocate, one to walk with you, live with you, and work through you. So I want to just say this, that the Holy Spirit is your fuel. If Jesus is your foundation, the Holy Spirit is your fuel. 
The reason I, I use the word fuel, let me, let me tell you a story. I, I grew up a couple hours north of here. I've told many of you that in the middle of a cornfield, and we didn't have cool things to do. So everyone owned uh, machinery, right? Some of my friends had four-wheelers and things. My family had what was called a mini bike. I don't know if you know what a mini bike is. A mini bike is like a less classy dirt bike. And you were probably thinking, dirt bikes aren't classy. That's my point, right? This mini bike was, was nothing special. My dad got it for us, and my brothers and I would ride it around our property. And whenever it wasn't running, we would immediately make that my dad's problem, right? So we would say, Dad, the mini bike won't start. And he would sometimes look at some stuff. But as he got to know us more, the first question he would always ask is, does it have gas in it? And sometimes we had checked for gas, but I'm embarrassed to admit that probably half the time he would ask that, we'd be like, uh... Oh, no, yeah, it looks like somebody didn't fill it up. I'll take care of it, Dad. I'd like blame it on my little brother, right? Fuel is what gives us power. Fuel is what makes us go. And Jesus is saying, I'm your foundation, and I'm going to give you an advocate, a counselor, a leader, a teacher that's going to empower your lives and your mission. The things you know from me, the things you trust from me are going to be brought to life when the advocate fuels what you do. The Holy Spirit is your fuel. Jesus is your foundation, but the Holy Spirit is your fuel. How you should act, how you should live, how you should speak, what you should say in certain situations, it's all powered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes those things go and we trust in our foundation. Your ministry, your leadership, your parenting, your marriage, your career, your conduct... Everything about you is powered by the Holy Spirit when you're living and walking in your foundation of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is your fuel because you've been given an advocate to comfort you and encourage you and counsel you and lead your very existence as we live and move. So how do we listen and live and move? How do we live in the Holy Spirit? Verse 18 says this. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. When Jesus said, I will come to you, he meant it. And although he ascended to heaven, although he's going to prepare a place for us, he sent the Holy Spirit to live in us as believers and to have the Holy Spirit means that we have Jesus himself. We have one of the persons of God himself. Jesus said that his followers show their love for him by obeying him. Now, he didn't say we earn our salvation or, or that we're better because of our obedience, but he said that is how we show our love. Love is more than some empty words. It's commitment and conduct. And so if you love Christ, you prove that and you show that by obeying what he says, what his word says, what his commandments are. When we're his children, we live for him. When we're listening to him and walking with him, he shows himself to us. He says that in these verses. So how do we listen to God? We trust him. We make him our foundation. 
We listen to his spirit and let it fuel us. And the third thing that I think we can take away from today is just this, that your faith dictates your function. If you are trusting in your foundation and you are trusting that you've been given an advocate to fuel your actions and fuel your life and fuel your mission, then you will place your faith and your trust in that and you will act accordingly. It doesn't mean that you will always have perfect peace when you're like, I think this is what God wants me to do. I think this is what God said in his word. This is what God's been putting on my heart. This is what was confirmed when I shared this at my small group, but man, this makes me nervous. But we don't have to have perfect 100% certainty when we act in faith, because let's be honest, we're human. We may not always have 100% faith, but when we're acting in faith, we'll be functioning as God's people, as God's children, as his obedient children who are led by him and listening to him. It would, it would sound good to say that we always get this right, right? It would sound good to say that, that we're a church that's led by the Holy Spirit and every week, every hour, every day, we are listening to him and we are just crushing it. I don't know about your week, but I don't feel that way on Thursdays at 2, Mondays at 8. I don't feel that I'm perfectly led by the Holy Spirit and listening and in tune with God himself who's been trusted to me and I've listened to his counsel and trusted his leadership. Sometimes I feel like I just fail. So what do we, what do we need to know? Well, let's go back to the beginning and first trust our foundation that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if we're trusting another way, if we're looking somewhere else for, for truth or life, we're, we're betraying our foundation. So we have to stand firmly on our foundation. And as we stand firmly on our foundation and get to know God himself, he tells us that he's going to give us a counselor, an advocate, a leader, someone who's going to elevate certain things in our mind and our heart through prayer, through other believers, through times in scripture, through times of silence. And as we know our foundation and trust our foundation, we can act from our foundation. We can be fueled from our foundation. We can say, God has put this on my mind. God has put this in my heart. I think God is calling me to do this. I want to say this, and we'll talk about this more in this series, but God doesn't ask us to do things that are not in line with his character and his word. God's not going to ask me to, to go do something crazy today. And we'd be like, wow, that doesn't agree with the Bible. Yet God knows that we can read the Bible sometimes and say, oh, I'm not sure if that's to me. And so he's given us the Holy Spirit because there's one Holy Spirit, but there's many different applications and ways that the Holy Spirit can move and work. I mean, think about this. I don't have your life. You don't have my life. We have different lives around this room, but we have one Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit can move in your retirement. The Holy Spirit can move in your classroom as a teacher. The Holy Spirit can move in your heart as a stay-at-home parent. The Holy Spirit can move in your heart as a caretaker, as an accountant. You don't have to be a pastor or professional Christian. You don't have to have a 20-year service certificate of being a good believer to listen to the Holy Spirit. We all have different gifts, different promises, different things that God is illuminating to us and calling us to, and yet we're all called to obedience and action. The Holy Spirit is called a gift because I think it's obvious a gift has an intended use, right? When someone gives you a gift, they want you to use that gift. 
That's why we're all so embarrassed this time of year when we're asking for a gift receipt for something we got for Christmas, because it's basically like saying, hey, I don't like your gift and I'm not going to use it. And my heart and our heart, our prayer in this series is that we're not asking for a gift receipt for the Holy Spirit, that we trust when our foundation gives us a gift, it's because we need that gift and have to trust that gift and use that gift. And so the obvious question would be, what is the Holy Spirit asking us to do in our daily lives? Your life doesn't look like mine. What is God asking you to do? What is the Holy Spirit putting on your heart in your personal relationships? What is the Holy Spirit putting in your heart in your finances? A couple years ago, God put on my heart that I was supposed to give someone $500. That's not a ton of money. Maybe you think it's a ton of money. I don't know. I wasn't very happy about it. It seemed like a ton of money to me at the time. And I was kind of like, whew, God, you sure you're not just supposed to give them a hug? And, they, and, and I kept praying about it. And it was like, no, it's $500. And I was like, all right, all right. And so I did that. I don't say that to say that I'm, oh, that's, that's super spiritual. There's been a lot of times the Holy Spirit puts something on my heart and I thought like, oh, maybe someone else will do that. Nope. When the Holy Spirit is asking you to do something, he's asking you in your specific context with your specific giftings and your specific design of life because he wants you to do that, to represent him in that situation, to be the character of God himself in that situation. There was a time that I went away to a conference and I, I came home and I, I said to Kristen, I, I feel that our family is supposed to adopt. There was a time in my younger years when I, I felt that God was calling us to someday plant a church. I, I don't know what, what the Holy Spirit might whisper and say to you, but here's what I believe. That it's not our job to question what the Holy Spirit is asking us to do. It's our job to listen and move in obedience. If God is, is telling us to do something, we, we know that it's in line with his word. You can share that in community. You can, you can confirm that in community with other believers. And then our job is obedience and, and movement. And so we want to do something a little different today. I'm going to pray here as we close. And you're going to hear the band start playing music. There's not a next thing coming for a while. Because we want to take some time as a church to just sit here in silence, not moving around, not talking, not singing, just listening and saying, Holy Spirit, what are you asking me to do? I, I trust that this time will be impactful because I think so often we're, we're moving and talking and working and doing, looking for the next thing that we're not listening to the Holy Spirit. So just ask that question. Holy Spirit, is there something that you want from me? What are you calling me to do? might not be anything. Maybe the gift alone is just sitting in the presence of God and listening. Maybe you've been running from the presence of God or running from what God has called you to do. I mentioned that I felt called at one time to, to help start a church. That was this church, but I, I ran from that for a while. There'd be moments that I would sit down and be quiet in the Holy Spirit and be brought to tears because I knew that I was running from that. Sometimes it's difficult to listen to what God is asking us to do. Sometimes we don't want to listen. Let's take a moment. We're going to do a version of this every week of this series. Let's take a moment to, to listen to God, to spend time listening from the Holy Spirit and just saying, Lord, what do you want from me? What is next? What's the thing you're calling me to?
As we spend time in God, learning his character, learning his heart, we have the confidence to act and the confidence to move. Let me pray and we'll spend time. God, thank you so much that we run from you, we turn our backs on you, but you still sent your son to be our foundation, a firm foundation for us to stand on. Lord, not just that, but as we live on mission, you've given us the fuel of the Holy Spirit because you want us to listen and move in obedience as we live with you. God, help us to have faith. Help us to have humility as we listen to you now, as we hear from you now. God, speak to us through your Holy Spirit. Remind us of your character. Remind us of the security we have in you. Remind us of the ways that you want us to move. God, we thank you so much for speaking to us. We thank you so much for giving us a counselor, a leader, an advocate, and an encourager. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We hope wherever you are, this message encourages you to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com.